This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again, true pilot stories from the world of general aviation. In this episode, accepting a number of seemingly minor risks and dangers of vacationing Cherokee pilot and his family. Get your IFR chops ready and let's go for a night ride in Multiplying Risks by John Parker. It was Labor Day weekend, and I was looking forward to a weekend at Lake Tahoe with my family. I flew my wife and two toddlers up to Truckee Tahoe Airport from San Carlos Airport, just south of San Francisco. The flight was uneventful, aside from a delay because of a disabled aircraft on the runway. The flight home, however, was anything but uneventful. The plan was to depart Monday at 7 p.m., Sunset was at 7.35, so that would put me well out of the mountains before darkness fell. It would also allow the air to cool down enough to get the density altitude below 8,000 feet, which I had decided was my limit. The airplane needed to be as light as possible for the high-density altitude departure, so I only added 10 gallons of fuel at Truckee after I arrived. I had confirmed that I would get another night at our hotel, if I needed to wait until morning. We had a good time Monday floating down the Truckee River and letting the kids ride bikes. I began loading and pre-flighting the Piper Cherokee 180 at 6 p.m. I was pretty tired, but judged myself okay for the flight. My weather briefing showed 15 knots of headwind from the south and a slight possibility of an overcast layer at San Carlos. I was happy to see the winds were only 15 knots, as that allayed my concerns about mountain wave turbulence. The graphical forecast showed only scattered clouds at 1,100 feet, but the San Francisco TAF had a broken layer at that altitude. It's common for San Francisco to be socked in while San Carlos is clear, so I expected clear skies for landing. I was planning to pick up an IFR clearance once I was out of the mountains anyway. What I didn't do at this point was reevaluate my fuel situation. I had two and a half hours of fuel on board. The trip would take 1.3 hours in zero wind, giving a tight but acceptable margin. However, I had a headwind to deal with. 
Also, the nearby marginal ceilings at San Francisco should have been caused to plan fuel for a missed approach and alternate. It's hard to say exactly why I didn't do this, but it was probably a combination of all the family and loading details as well as my 7 p.m. deadline and fatigue. We took off from Truckee at 7.15. On climb-out, I managed 500 feet per minute at VY, which was about 75 feet per minute better than I had calculated. We turned on course toward Donner Lake and headed west over the mountains. A flaw in my plan became immediately apparent. We were faced directly into the sunset. My forward visibility was terrible. I couldn't see much to my right because of my position in the cockpit, but I could see to the left. I flipped to the terrain page on my Garmin GNS 430 and navigated via the red and yellow blotches, foreflight, and what pilotage I could manage. I also had my wife watch for terrain out her window. Thankfully, the air was smooth with zero downdrafts. I breathed a big sigh of relief once we made it up to 10,500 feet, and the terrain page was a reassuring black. I trimmed for cruise, and we enjoyed the beautiful sunset views over the mountains. Once we got over the Central Valley, night fell, and I picked up my IFR clearance with NorCal Approach. They immediately informed me that San Carlos was closed because of an accident. I thought it was pretty impressive luck to have my destination closed on both legs of the trip. I told them I'd switch to Palo Alto and quietly hoped San Carlos would reopen in time. After getting my clearance, I ran another cruise check. I was only making 100 knots over the ground. Based on the winds and my expected IFR route, I'd land with 45 minutes of fuel remaining. Yikes. The whole South Bay was still reporting good VFR, though, so I wasn't concerned about going missed. I seriously considered declaring minimum fuel, but didn't, as I couldn't remember the exact requirements. Clearly, I should have, as any delay would have caused me to burn into my IFR reserves. I spent the remainder of the flight watching my fuel gauges, totalizer, and ground speed while micromanaging the mixture. I considered diverting to a closer airport, but I had two young kids in the back who desperately needed to get home to their beds. I didn't even think about stopping for fuel because it was too late for an FBO fuel truck. My home airport has no self-service fuel, so I'd never filled up my own airplane before. The thought of figuring that out for the first time at night with my family on board was not appealing. I asked NorCal Approach about San Carlos again. They told me it was a pretty serious accident and that it would be a while. I resigned myself to a diversion. Later, I learned that a Cessna 185 had ground looped, buckled a gear leg, bent a wing, and had a prop strike. Thankfully, the pilot was fine. I was planning to shoot the GPS 3-1 approach into Palo Alto. However, when the ATIS came in range, I learned that the GPS 3-1 approach was not available at night. That left the VOR approach and the visual. NorCal hates the VOR approach because it interferes with the flow of airline arrivals into San Jose. They'll give it to you if you insist, but you can expect delays. I couldn't afford delays, so I took the visual. 
The runway lights at Palo Alto are dim, so I usually identify the field by finding the brightly lit ramp area. I thought I saw it, but that turned out to be a parking lot. I simply couldn't see the field in the dark. I probably clicked the lights on six times. I had to use a combination of dead reckoning, pilotage, and GPS to get myself more or less on final. Finally, I found the field on a three-mile final. After that, the landing and taxi were uneventful. I had 7.8 gallons remaining, or 49 minutes. As I rode in an Uber to pick up the car from San Carlos, a wave of fatigue hit me. I was completely wiped out. When I finally got home and put the kids to bed, I collapsed and was asleep in minutes. The next day, I thought through my decisions during the flight. Each risk I took was manageable by itself, but together they produced an unacceptable outcome. When risk factors come together, they don't add up. They multiply. The high-density altitude departure required a light fuel load, which put me at risk of a fuel emergency. The lack of FBO services available at night reduced my refueling options, and my kids in the back added considerable pressure to continue. I chose to take off near sunset because of the high elevation. This nearly blinded me to terrain when I turned west into the sun. It also introduced schedule pressure, since I was unwilling to fly over mountainous terrain in the dark. As a result, I rushed my weather briefing and didn't take the time to consider the effect on my fuel requirements. I also felt the need to turn toward home immediately after departure, instead of circling in the Truckee Valley for altitude. After a long day of chasing kids, rafting, and a stressful flight, I was exhausted as I began my approach. If I'd been thinking clearly, I could have declared minimum fuel and asked for the VOR approach. Alternately, I could have canceled IFR and flown direct to the field for a normal VFR pattern. Instead, I blindly blundered down a visual approach until I was nearly on top of the field. I'll also be making a few changes to my personal minimums as a result of this sobering experience. I won't be doing any more night flights with young kids on board. Their bedtime needs produce get-home-itis in the extreme. Next time I go to Tahoe with the family, I'll insist on a morning departure to wake up fresh and depart in the morning sun. In the future, I will plan two alternates when flying IFR, one for weather and one for other diversions. My planned alternate was Hayward, which would have been a good choice if there had been low ceilings. However, when I had to divert for non-weather reasons, I chose Palo Alto because it was closer to home. I hadn't seen the notums for Palo Alto, which complicated my approach planning. Finally, if I ever find myself near legal fuel minimums again, I won't hesitate to declare minimum fuel and get the help I need. I didn't declare because it was my own bad decisions that had put me in this situation, and I was worried about the repercussions. By failing to declare, I was valuing my certificate above the lives of my wife and kids. I won't make that mistake again. Never again will I expose my family or myself to that level of risk. We made it home safely, but it was too close for comfort. 
The Never Again Podcast is brought to you monthly by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out AOPA's mobile flight planning app, AOPA Go, as well as the many free training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely. Fly safely.